Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I am your host, Mike Petriello, a writer and researcher at MLB.com, joined by Matt Myers, MLB.com National Content Editor. It is Thursday morning, May 27th. We are going to talk about the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. explosion, the most insane stat line I think I've ever seen coming out of Chicago. Thank you, Yasmani Grandal. We're going to talk about whether the rise in strikeouts is everything it seems. I'm looking to have the National League West race kind of rules again before we each rant and rave and come up with our random guys we're going to see. Matt, today, that's Thursday morning from our point of view, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to participate in a doubleheader here in New York. The Blue Jays got rained out last night. And the Rockies are also here in New York to play the Mets. And they got rained out last night. And so I briefly, before we got on our little podcast this morning, thought to myself, I should go look up how random it is to see multiple doubleheaders in the same city in the same day. And it turns out, of course, our friend and colleague, Sarah Langs, already did this for me. Obviously. Obviously. But wait, I can can top her. Okay. So she wrote uh, this morning at the site, and you should check it out because it's really interesting. In the expansion era, so since 1961, this will be the fifth time that one city has played host to two doubleheaders. Uh, in the, uh, on the same day, right? And four, uh, three of those times were in New York. One of those times was in Chicago. However, I want to add something on top of that. Last night in Brooklyn, the minor league Brooklyn Cyclones also got rained out, and they are also playing a doubleheader today. So we have six professional baseball games in the five boroughs of New York. I have no idea how to look that up. I'm just going to say that's the most. So <laughs> I know not all of our listeners live here, but if you do, there's lots of baseball to go see today. You should definitely do it. I and. <laughs> Part of the reason we're recording so early is because I'm going to the the Mets Rockies uh, doubleheader. I did not even realize it was going to be a doubleheader until uh, until late last night. I love a good doubleheader. Actually, I've got some good uh, some good doubleheader memories. I was at in um, 1998. I was at a doubleheader at Chase Stadium where Mark McGuire. This was during the year he hit 70 home runs. It is 50th home run in Game One and his 51st home run in Game Two which was pretty awesome because it was at that point, it was like late August where I was like, oh, he might actually break the record. Um, and sure enough, he did. Um, and then I have an, probably my favorite uh, doubleheader memory is, uh, I think it was it was June 1986. It might have been Father's Day. I'm not sure. I think it was Father's Day. And my, my mom had the idea of like, oh, let's go to the Mets game for Father's Day. This will be great. And then we show up and she discovers that it's a doubleheader. And uh, I still remember the look on her face when she made that discovery. <laughs> Did you stay for all 18? Um, I believe so because, you know, back then, like now, I could not get enough baseball, uh, especially (laughs) live baseball, and they were not going to drag me away from uh, a doubleheader. How about you? Do you have any any notable doubleheader memories? 
Um, I, I really only one comes to mind and it's not even a great one, honestly, like 10 years ago or so, I wanted to go see the Dodgers playing at city. It was like maybe the year city field opened and it was like mid April and it got rained out. Right. So the next day there's a double header. I'm like, great. I'm gonna go see two Dodgers Mets games. It's going to be great. And you know, the weather wasn't all that different from the day before. So it was still like 40 degrees and pouring <laughs> for the whole time. And, uh, somehow my, my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife didn't break up with me after that because I made her stay with me. So there's that one. So you, you are going to see Rockies at Mets today and I'm sure that'll be fine. But personally, I think I'd rather see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Cause wow. Um, we, you know, I, I think. I don't want to say people wrote him off too soon because he was too young, but he was definitely more of like a above average hitter than a superstar for the first two years. And then what he's done this year, I'm not even sure that the word breakout is strong enough. You know, he's gone from, I think we were hoping he'd go from solid hitter to all-star hitter. And now he's basically the MVP of the league or Otani, right? It's, it's them because Trout's hurt. I guess you could say Bogarts or, or Devers maybe, but what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is doing um, is monumental. He's right now hitting 337, a 447 on base, a 674 slugging percentage. If you like weighted runs created plus where 100 is league average, well, he's at a 203. Do that math for a second. It's really good. My favorite part about this, like everybody wanted to talk about, well, he's got to raise his launch angle. I hate talking about launch angle. I, I really do. That's not my favorite part. He's got 31 walks and 29 strikeouts. And if you watch him, the most impressive thing, okay, I guess the most impressive thing would be the laser beams he hits at 118 miles an hour. Um, but to me, it's just, you can see the difference in his his plate discipline. Like he's he's gotten to this level where it's, I don't want to say like it's Juan Soto with 118 miles an hour power, but he's at that level where he's just spitting on pitches that are like millimeters off the plate. And I've, I've almost elevated him to that Joey Votto status of if he and the umpire disagree, then it is the umpire who is wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is what has stood out to me the most about him this year. The funny thing to me is that um, obviously you can't help but compare him to his father, a Hall of Fame hitter. Um, and, you know, in some ways in like they're set up at the plate, they're, they're, there's 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 similarities. And we've seen we've also seen um, Vlad Jr., especially like in his, his first year or so in the league, he had, had a lot of like bad ball hits. But in some ways, when I look at him, he's his breakout is basically almost I don't want to see tied directly to being less like his dad, but it's like. His approach is now diverging from his his father. I mean, his father was special because he swung at everything and hit everything, and there was no one really else like him. But Vlad, the big change I see is like he's chasing a lot less, and actually he's making contact a lot less when he chases, which is what which is good because you when you when you chase and make contact, generally, if you're unless you're Vladimir Guerrero Senior, you're making bad contact. For example. Last year, his chase rate was almost 25%. This year, it's below 20%. And last year, his chase contact rate was 56%. This year, it's 39%. So right there, you're seeing a big difference in that like he's not chasing as much. And when he does chase, he's actually missing, which is actually better. Um, and so I think that's kind of cool and kind of interesting that, yeah, he's like his dad. But in some ways, like his ascent is in sort of he's like, he's like, I'm not I don't want to live your life, dad. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be my own man. <laughs> And well, that's kind of what we're seeing. Yeah, no, it's it's cool all around. And like like I said, you know, everybody talked about elevating and he has, you know, his ground ball rate is down from 55% to 47%. And when you can hit the ball at 118, it certainly does a lot more damage in the air. I think we've talked about before how he has the largest increase 
in sprint speed from last year to this year. And not that anyone really cares about how fast he runs because that's not his game, but we talked so much about getting into better shape and improving his conditioning and improving his flexibility. And it's cool to see like that running speed number match up with that because you have you seen him do the splits at first base? Yeah. They are so cool. Like he's a, he's a much better defensive first baseman than I think I thought he would be. And in ways that we probably don't even track that well, like his range is fine. That's whatever. But the way he does the splits to uh, try to help what is a pretty rough defensive infield. Like Biggio's not a good third baseman. Bichette's not a great shortstop. Semien's been good at second base, but they they make a lot of wild throws and they have made him work <laughs> to corral those. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really been um impressive all around. I think in some ways he was almost like I mean when he when he came up, there was a you know talk from and you know from people who you know, like from like folks like Jim Callis and Jim Callis is not someone known for hyperbole. He was like this, you know, this is like the best pure hitting prospect, maybe not of all time, but in the, in the conversation. Right. Um, but I think Vlad Jr. was almost a little bit of a victim of like when he came up because he came up a year after Soto and Acuna who like hit the ground running. And I think this, he came up like a month after Tatis who also kind of hit the ground running. So it was like, I was like, well, obviously this guy is just going to hit the ground running too and be a star from day one. And it doesn't always work like that. I'll admit I was a little concerned by what we saw, not necessarily because it was pretty clear he was going to be a good player, but I was like, is he ever going to reach his ceiling because he was hitting the ball on the ground too much? And like, you know, then I think I might've said this on the, on the pod at some point in the off season, the name that came to mind to me was Delman Young, who was, you know, sort of number one overall prospect, but also like, you know, what, you know, scouts maybe would call a, a, a bad body guy. And when he got to the big leagues, it just like never fully came together. And that was sort of like the the sort of like red flag I had in my head for for Vlad. I was like, is he going to ever fully reach his ceiling? And obviously, we're two months into the season. And I think it's clear that um, this is the guy we thought he was. And it's it's really – he's one of the more fun guys to watch the play right now. No, absolutely. And I, I don't want to take anything away from him, but I have to at least point out his insane home road splits. So the Blue Jays have finished the portion of their season where they called an Eden home. The next time they play a home game, I think next week, they will be in Buffalo. And it's unclear whether they'll spend the rest of the year in Buffalo or make it back to Toronto at some point. But as expected, the TD ballpark in Dunedin played like a pretty extreme hitters park. Here are his home road splits uh, at home. He hit 410 as a batting average of 410, 521 on base, a slugging percentage of almost 900 and an OPS north of 1400 on the road, uh, 277 average, 382 on base, 489 slugging. I'm not going to make too much of home road splits over two months because you know, part of it is the the home runs he hits would go out of literally any park on the planet. Like that's how <laughs> serious they are. But I, uh, I don't also think he's going to keep up a two hundred three weighted runs created plus all year long. Is that is that underselling it a little bit? Yeah, but see, but look at it. even that 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 away that the, his away line two seventy seven three eighty two forty nine. I mean, most players hit better at home anyway. So let's say he's you know ten percent better than that at home. That's you're still looking at a three hundred four hundred five hundred line right there, which is you know more than elite. It's good. It's uh is he going to win the MVP? Um I mean again it, it obviously it depends on um you know how well the team plays basically, right? It's like Does it's, it it's, does that still matter? I feel like that doesn't matter. I mean it it it, it, it does stink and Trout wins MVPs. It it's not the only factor, but it is a factor and there's still enough I think that there's like, you know, he's certainly right, right now he's in the conversation of the season and today it's probably him or Otani in the American League, but obviously Otani also plays for an even worse team. But you also just have to kind of like keep the the uh, 
possibilities open of like someone having a crazy second half for the White Sox and then running with the division and like sort of getting like a narrative, a narrative, uh, you know, MVP or the or the A's or Astros for that matter or the Red Sox. I mean, like Xander Bogarts, you know, like there's 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 other names, but certainly he's on the he's on the short list right now. Mostly, I just hope we get another crack at him in the home run derby, which will be in Coors Field this year, because I think that would be super fun. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB. We are back on the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, Mike and Matt. We are going to start our three batter minimum with maybe my favorite stat line ever. Close to it. Yasmani Grandal, catcher for the Chicago White Sox, is hitting 136. And yet I still get to say he's an above average hitter, which I think is maybe stretching the limits of how much you can diminish batting average to most people. <laughs> but he's hitting 136 with a 391 on base and a 364 slugging percentage. That is a 116 OPS plus, which almost completely matches his career OPS plus of 115. He's hitting 136. He's 16% above average. Everything is weird. If you're wondering if that is the lowest batting average ever, uh, with a with an OPS plus of 100 or better. So like basically what's the lowest you can hit and still be an average or better hitter? It is uh, Frank Fernandez from the 1968 Yankees. I cannot say I'm super familiar with Mr. Fernandez at 170 with an OPS plus of 125. Now what should stand out to you about that? What year he, did he do it in? 1968. It's a little easier to have above average production when the league average of everything is so, so low. And if you look at how Grandal is doing it, he is absolutely refusing to swing the bat. Like he will not swing. He has a 25% swing rate. That is the lowest on record with anybody who's got as many plate appearances as he does. And I think the record on that goes back to like 2002 or eight. I can't remember now, but anyway, he doesn't swing. And that has led to a walk rate of 29.5%. Now dig this. I know this leaderboard is, is stupid and you know small samples and you're comparing it to larger samples, but I don't care because it's very funny to me. If you go back to the beginning of integrated baseball, 1947, and you look at every season with at least 125 plate appearances, and you look at the highest walk rates, number one, two, four, five, and six on that list are Barry Bonds seasons between 2001 and 2007, right? Six of five of the top six walk rate seasons of all times are by arguably the greatest hitter who ever lived. 
and also Yasmani Grandal, <laughs> which was like, what even? What is this? <laughs> it's it's so it's so bizarre. And if you want to like like it's it, also I love it. Like I'm looking at his baseball savant page. Um, and you look at like his expected stats, his expected batting average is 177. So he's like coming by it honestly. Like this is like it's the batting average is not like out of line with what you would expect. But I, I just like why is anyone why is anyone throwing him why, why is anyone throwing him anything but just like fastballs and daring him to swing? Like he's, it's he's just like it's like he's refusing to swing. It's like the little leaguer who knows he can't hit. It's like I'm just gonna hope I'm gonna take a walk and it's working. Yeah, I mean he's always been a patient kind of guy. Like that's this is not totally out of not this much, obviously, but it's not totally out of nowhere for him to draw a walk. And I know earlier in the spring, he was dealing with a knee issue. I don't know if that's had any impact at all. But it, what's funny is that when he has decided to swing and hit the ball, he's actually hitting it hard. This like is true. His, his hard hit rate is usually like, you know, 40% or so. And this year it is 54%. Like he's he's got as many barrels and, you know, barrels are like the perfect combination of launch angle and exit velocity this year as he did last year, right? And you're right. Like if you look at the the percentage of pitches in the strike zones, it's down, but not by a lot. Like it's usually 46, 47 percent, and this year it's 43 percent. Like why would you do anything but throw him a first pitch strike, which he's only gotten after three times all year? I, I, <laughs> I, it's you can't just like you can't lob batting practice fastballs because he hits the ball hard. Uh, but why are you throwing him anything outside the zone? Like even once, why he will not swing at it? He's like. He, <laughs> Did you see like two weeks ago when Taiwan Walker was batting against Matt Harvey and he was, we didn't know it at the time, but Walker was a little bit injured, right? So he was like, I'm not going to swing. And he just stood there with the bat and refused to move a muscle. That is basically what Grandal is doing. Like, why? <laughs> I, I don't have an answer for this. I'm just like shouting at it, basically. <laughs> that, that is actually a very good segue to our, our next topic about um, the rise in strikeouts this year for 2021 and maybe how... The rise in strikeouts is not what it appears to be on its face. And you wrote a piece about this uh, this week. I did. So strikeouts are up in baseball. You've heard this before. I think everyone's familiar with that. We are on track to uh, have the strikeout rate either hold steady or rise for the 15th year in a row. I think the last time it didn't happen was 2005, uh, 2004 to 2005, so 16 years in a row. And we know all the reasons for this. We've talked about the bad nausea, right? Pitchers are dominant. They throw harder with more spin and more movement, and they do it in shorter stints. No one's going four times through the order anymore. Uh, we know all this. But what I found interesting was that if you take out pitchers batting this year, you just look at position players batting, there really isn't a rise from last year. Last year, it was 23.4%, and this year, it's 23.5%, which is basically nothing. Now, what was the big difference from last year to this year? Well, there are a lot of big differences, but the one that's applicable here is that last year, pitchers didn't bat. We had the DH in the National League. That is not the case this year. Now, I don't know if you know this, pitchers are brutally terrible hitters, but like really bad. You know, they've always been bad. Here's what they're hitting so far this year. 104, 139. 136. They have a strikeout rate of 47%. And you reintroduce that kind of absolutely non-competitive hitting into the ecosystem. That kind of explains the jump from last year to this year. I want to be careful with it. I don't I don't want to say that this means that like the strikeout rise has plateaued. I, I don't believe that's true. I just think that you've added all of these truly atrociously bad pitcher hitting plate appearances. And I feel like you need to kind of like filter those out 
in some way. The other thing I want to point out, because I just found this deeply funny when I was reading, when I was writing this piece, um, I, Matt, I know you know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it as a question anyway. What year was this quote from the Sporting News written? Every patron of the game is conversant with the utter worthlessness of the average pitcher when he goes up to try to hit the ball. Now, I tweeted that question out and I got, you know, oh, 1962, 1973, maybe. No, 1891. <laughs> People have been saying pitchers can't hit for 130 years and probably further back than that. I I think we're on the same page. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I never had a strong opinion about the DH. I just I generally did not feel passionately about it one way or the other. I grew up a National League fan. I didn't care. And then last year, watching no pitchers bat at no point that I say, man, I wish a pitcher was up here striking out. And now I'm all in. I bring the DH on. This is brutal. Yeah, no, it's because the other thing is it also feels like a lot of pitchers. I mean, because what, what seems to happen, it's almost like a almost like a silent protest. It almost feels like where like <laughs> a lot of these pitchers are like, you know what? Like, I'm trying to stay healthy. It's a long year. I just, I, I can't, you know? I, I'm just I'm I'm not even I'm not even going to try and like I'm it's funny because I'm like looking at the, the I'm looking at a list of the the pitchers based on um, worst batting averages minimum ten plate appearances and there are even guys who have like good reputations as hitting pitchers who are like like Adam Wainwright is zero for fifteen this year Brendan Woodruff is zero for seventeen this year these are like guys who are considered like two of like the good you know good hitting pitchers right like. It's it almost feels like I, and you mentioned like Taiwan Walker he was like a little a little sore and he was just like I'm not even going to swing, and so it's just it's it's not it's not pretty. Um, Did you see um, Degrom's return the other night against the Rockies and Kyler uh, Kyle Freeland was up and you're like oh it's a pitcher you know he he won't brutalize this man and he's like oh here's a hundred and one at the top of the zone <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's but it's it's, it's good context because I think that it is we did forget that pitchers didn't hit last year and that like we have to like it almost just like re like rejigger our brains a little bit of like what that means pitchers hitting and uh, they're not good and maybe even worse than ever and that's really it is actually kind of I don't want to say m- misleading us a little bit but it's thro- it's throwing off the the over the, the bigger picture. I agree with that. The other thing I wanted to point out is, you know, people will, will correctly say, well, pitchers don't last that long in the games. They're not getting three or four plate appearances. Like how how many plate appearances can pitchers be getting? And that's true. It's only like five or six percent. But there is, I think, some sort of like post pitcher hitting effect in the sense that when pitchers are removed, they have to be pinch hit for. And those pinch hitters are generally not starting players. You know, they're bench players who are um, not as capable as the starters. And then there's also like a well-documented pitch hitting penalty where if you come off the bench cold, you're likely to be a little worse. And pinch hitters are also striking out at the highest level ever at 30%. So you've got that lineup spot. So it's like you've got a pitcher who can't hit and then he's replaced by a pinch hitter who's not as good as the regular hitters. And even if the pitcher is not taking that plate appearances, it's still like there's echoes of it. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm ready. Bring on the DH. Just like (laughs) bring it to me. Hopefully at some point in the near future. Yeah, and the, to, to that point, um, I, that's why I'm. I've you know the, one of the popular sort of like DH fixes that's been tossed around, um, you know, the baseball internet baseball internet circles is like, hey, how about instead of the DH, we do. I forget that there's a na- there's a name for it. I forget there's a term for it. The, the hook, right? The hook. We're basically like you get the DH until your starting pitcher comes out, and then you lose the DH. At which point you have to use pinch. You know, like and. When I first heard that idea, I was like, ooh, that kind of sounds fun because I like kind of, you know, things that maybe add elements of strategy and like it's, but it's, to me, it's actually like a little too gimmicky. 
yeah. it's like for the reason you mentioned because you're still going to have pinch hitters who are not who are not as good. You know, there's there's they, they lower the bar, and I like the idea. I like the I like the thinking, but I'm I'm sort of just like let's just go DH all 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 all, all across the board. No, I, my idea is better. Uh, just eight eight man lineups. Lose or the pitcher, lose the DH. Let's do it. I, right. I mean, the benefit, the benefit of the doubt, you get you know more more at bats from Vlad Vlad Junior. Exactly. More at bats from Mike Trout. So there's exactly. there's a benefit there. I'm sorry, Nelson Cruz. I'm sorry. Nothing personal. Our third item here is the, the National League West race. Kind of rules again. Uh, the Padres are nine and one in their last ten. The Dodgers have won eight of their last ten. The Giants have won seven of their last ten. The Padres have a very very slim lead in the National League West. And if you look at the run differential leaders for the season across the Major League Baseball, across the Major League Baseball, this is why we don't do podcasts this early before we've had coffee. Anyway, of the top four teams in run differential, three of them are in the National League West. The Padres are first, the Dodgers are second, the Giants are fourth, the White Sox is our third. And it's kind of fun because, you know, what did we talk about at the beginning of the year? The Dodgers are going to be this all-time great team. The Padres are maybe the second best team in baseball. And they both like got off to good starts and then sputtered for a bit while the Giants kind of stepped up. And now look at it. I mean, these three teams are playing phenomenally. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, in six games back for Fernando Tatis, he's hitting 600, 640, 1400, (laughs) which is... Just hilarious. And the Dodgers are about to get stronger because Cody Bellinger uh, is expected to return from injury this weekend. And they haven't really been getting like peak Mookie bets. You know, like he's been, it's hard to complain too much about good defense and a, a line 25% above average, but that's not, it's not peak bets. You know, like their starting rotation has been fantastic. Um, they're missing Seeger, obviously. Max Muncy's been kind of fun because he has a 455 on base. <laughs> Uh, a 21% walk rate, but also he's slugging over 500. Like Max Muncy is their best player right now, which I don't think I would have saw coming. And I still, I'm not out on the Giants. Like I, I think this race uh, is going to, is maybe not going to be what we thought it would be two months ago, but it's it's maybe even going to be more interesting now if the Giants actually stick around. A couple things I was been glad to be wrong about. Um, I think I was I was skeptical of the, the Padres being able to hang with the Dodgers, um, and my view on that has changed a little bit. I think they're a little their their sort of staying power has you know impressed me in ways, um, especially they were sort of able to tread water with Tatis out. Um, the second thing I was glad I was wrong about is when Tatis went down with that shoulder injury. In my head, I was like, I don't care what the Padres say. This guy's out. You know, this guy's gonna be out a while. Like they were like, oh, it's not that serious. But like when you see guys like hurt their shoulder like that on a swing, it just feels like it's gonna be a while. No matter, you know, teams are always trying to downplay injuries. And I was like, oh, this is this is a disaster. And man, that has not been the case because he's come back and he's been the best version of Tatis in all phases of the game, and it's really um, great to see. I'm going to I'm going to say most phases of the game because his defense has taken a big step back again this year. Like he was really good last year. And now he looks like rookie Tatis again. And they still are not necessarily firing on all cylinders like Machado's been only OK. Tommy Pham hasn't been good. Uh, Trent Grisham is hurt. Drew Pomerantz is hurt. You Darvish has been fantastic. I feel like we're not maybe talking about that enough. Like he, he has 74 strikeouts and 13 walks. Um, he's been really good. Meanwhile, Blake Snell has 
I don't know. He's been Blake Snell, I guess. He's, he's yeah. a 450 ERA, lots of strikeouts, too many walks, and doesn't go deep into games. He he is who he is. That one that one I feel like I was kind of right about. I was vindicated on. But um, he's they they they're making up for it in other ways. One thing that's great about the Padres, and I think that's part of like their fun, is that they're really using their speed on the bases. Like they lead the league with 57 stolen bases. Number two, the Royals have 36 stolen bases. They have 21 more stolen bases than any other team. The Reds have nine stolen bases. The Padres have 57. <laughs> I so, wanna... like, it's, they're an athletic, t- I mean, they're, they're like, they're, they're turning out to be like, you know, that was part of their appeal. I think a part of their excitement is like they have, you know, a dynamic lineup and they're like, they're, they're using it because it's also not just one guy. Like Tatis has 11 steals, Profar has eight, Grisham has seven, Machado, Pham have six, Will Myers and Hosmer have a few. Like it's, it's up and down the lineup and um, they used it against the Brewers the other night and the the stolen bases to get a win. And like, it's, it's a fun team. Here's, here's a Dodger question for you. You look at their starting rotation right now, you know, Kershaw, Bauer, Arias and Bueller. Who's the number four starter there? I don't know. <laughs> is it Bauer? Like Kershaw has been great. Urias has been great. Bueller. I mean, they've all been great. But like, there's not a really a right answer or a wrong answer to this. But their their number four starter is an ace on how many teams right now? Uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I was I was looking at Bauer the other day. Like his when we like um run values for on on baseball savant baseball savant run values. His four seam fastball is the highest run value of any four seamer in baseball. Oh, um, yeah. I'm going to give you a mini rant here before we get to our regular rant. <laughs> Last year, you know, like he was with the uh, with Cincinnati. And if you remember, the divisions were just like the Easts would only play the Easts and the Centrals and Centrals. I can't tell you how many people I heard from saying he was only good because the Central batters were bad. And I was like, no, no, like that's definitely not true. That is not what's happening. And oh, he's got a 198 ERA out here in a different division. I feel vindicated on that one. <laughs> I mean, I was I was. I thought that might have been a factor, but I didn't think it was the only reason to be good because he's also been really good before, like with Cleveland in 2018. So like it was like it wasn't like this was a fluke. Um, he obviously had never he had not sustained you know a low two ZRA for his career, but it seems like he has now established himself as that as that guy. All right, and finally, um, are the Giants going to stick around? Um, I don't think they're going to stick around with those two teams. But right now, you look at the wild card race, and I think that you know that's. You know, there was a belief I think going in going into the season. Oh, like the AL East might get three, and at least might get three playoff teams. Um, that's looking less like the case right now, <laughs> and I think the Giants are really well positioned there. The guy, the most interesting guy on that team to me is Kevin Gossman, who is really good again and um, pitching like an ace, and also is a free agent after this season, and young enough that like, oh, this guy is kind of a dude and i'm not sure that like the the baseball world has fully taken notice of that you know he was once like a really high draft pick never really put together in baltimore um or a couple of other places he's been but now like he looks like that guy that was once the number four overall pick and um the i think the giants are like legit as wild card contender legit that's my kind of take Someday someone's going to write a whole book on how the 2013-ish Orioles could never figure out how to get the best out of Dylan Bundy or Jake Arrieta or Kevin Gosman, um, and then built a great bullpen. I don't know. I thought that was that, that's just kind of fun to look back upon. Um, I yeah. I I don't I don't know if he lasts the season there. How about that? Right. I mean, he signed to a one-year deal. Do you think? Do you think they might, might trade him because they could get something really big? 
No, because if they're in the race, they're not going to trade him. And I also think that the Giants are at a position where, like, they're they're a team that has been willing to um, to to spend before. And I could see them. Um, I could see them extend. I mean, I don't know what if he's if he's someone who like doesn't want to sign an extension during the season or what. But like, I could see them extending him as part of like, hey, we want to keep some continuity here. He's young enough that like he can be part of what, what we're built. What we're what we're building here. I don't think they would trade him if they're they're in a, even in a wild card race. Well, I'm just excited that the. Uh the the West is kind of looking like the West again, and even like better than we thought maybe it would be. And this weekend, Giants at Dodgers, which would be a pretty fun way to spend the holiday weekend. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back and finish off the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Each week, Matt and I like to highlight a random guy that you need to know more about. And each week, Matt gives me a hard time for picking random relievers. And that's true. I, I do it a lot. I've got like a little running notepad list of guys I might want to talk about. And I figured now was a great time to talk about one of them who's been on my list for like a month because he just got traded. That is JP Fireising who is now a member of the Tampa Bay Rays. He's a pretty interesting guy for a few reasons. He was a 16th round pick by Cleveland in 2014. He's been traded three times since to the Yankees in 2016 in that big Andrew Miller, Clint Frazier deal to the Brewers in 2019 for international slot money, somewhat less interesting. And then a couple of days ago to Tampa Bay in the deal for Willie Adamas. He when I saw that he got traded to the Rays, I immediately thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that tracks. I mean, not that the Brewers aren't also like an analytically inclined team, but when you look at the fastball, the four seam fastball rise leaderboards this year, like who gets the most rising action on their fastball? Number one is JP Fireisen right now. <laughs> and it's a pretty fun list because Trevor Bauer is number two, Sean Doolittle's number four. Those are two of the guys like at the top of the, the you know, narrative for that sort of thing. Uh, number three, Caleb Baragar. Good to know. Anyway, Fire Eisen has 97th percentile spin. He's clearly getting the most out of it. In his first 17 games for the Brewers this year, spanning 16 innings, he led zero earned runs. Now, he's got this rising fastball. He is also in the top 30 in changeup drop. Like how much above average does your changeup drop vertically? And if you were to look at our run value leaderboards or pitch type, he hasn't pitched enough to like be at the top if you just look at raw numbers. But if you sort it by like you know run value over 100 pitches, uh, here's the changeup list. Okay, number four, Hansel Robles. Okay, number three, John Means. Yeah, number two, Garrett Cole. That's cool. Number one, JP Fireyes. <laughs> he's thrown it 79 times. He's allowed one hit, 14 strikeouts. I I don't think the Brewers didn't know what they had, obviously, but I, they badly needed a shortstop. But man, he is the raziest guy to ever be a Ray. <laughs> 
and I can't wait to see how he's going to play for them. Yeah, sometimes the trades like that, I'm sure the I'm sure the Brewers knew what they had, but they're like, all right, you want them? We want to, you know, we're trading. We weren't trading for guys going to be our shorting, starting shortstop. Like, you know, good on good on your Rays. Like, see what you can do with them. So, um, definitely. Uh, Definitely a, a, a razy, a razy kind of uh, guy. I'm going to keep it in in Florida for for my random guy. We should be talking more about. And I feel like I've been all in on on the Marlins this year because the Marlins have a lot of interesting guys. Um, and you know, we've talked a bit about um, Trevor Rogers on the show. I want to talk about Pablo Lopez, who's kind of been on my watch list of like, hey, pitchers who could be pretty good um, for a while now, and he hasn't really put it together. But it turns out that, like, if you just say, you know what, I'm just going to throw my best pitch most of the time, that works. Um, <laughs> he is now throwing his changeup um, more often than any other pitch, and it's it's working, right? So um, in 2018, which I think was the first year where he kind of got on people's radars when he had a 4.14 ERA, he was throwing his changeup 19% of the time, then went up to 22 then up to 30, and now he's throwing his changeup 35% of the time. He's got a 2.73 ERA, um, a 3.06 expected ERA, so he's 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 coming by come coming by by it honestly. And that four seam fastball he has is playing up as a result. Um, he basically he, he throws five pitches, but it's you know mostly a four seam and a change. Um, and he has got a negative seven run value on that four seamer, which is among the league leaders. Um, he also has some of the best stirrups in the game, which I think is worth noting because. Um, you know he's got a, a very distinct look when he is uh, when he is on the mound when he was wearing the uh, those uh, City Connect uniforms for the Marlins with the high stirrups. It's a pretty it's a pretty fantastic look. Those uh, those City Connect uniforms the Marlins are wearing are, are fantastic. Um, and he's like a guy that kind of came out of nowhere. He was the I, I went back and looked at the end of the 2017 season. Um, the MLB Pipeline crew had him ranked number 30. Out of thirty, you know, out of on the top thirty for the uh, the Marlins top prospects, so he just barely made the top thirty prospects at the end of um, end of twenty seventeen. He's now firmly in their very good rotation. Um, the the Marlins are, are one of the better run prevention run prevention teams in the league this year, um, ranked seventh in pitching WAR um, in baseball, and they're they're interesting and. They're doing this despite, and like a lot of teams, they've had guys miss a lot of time. You know, Jazz Chisholm missed a lot of time. Starling Marte barely played and was playing very well when he was playing. Um, so they're firmly in that mix, and Pablo Pablo Lopez is a big reason why. I'm really glad you brought up the stirrups because if you didn't, I was going to. It's <laughs> it's such a good, and they're like the old school stirrups too. Exactly, you know, it's not just like showing sock. It's like stirrups. I love that. All right, we are going to finish off for Matt and I. You each have purpose pitch, which is something we get to rant about. For me, uh, I think one of the bigger series of this week has been in Houston, where the Dodgers are playing the Astros in Houston. I don't know if there's any history between those two teams, uh, especially with Clayton Kershaw on the mound. And that's sort of what I want to rant about is that, you know, there is like a subset of Astros fans who insist that not only did the Astros do nothing wrong in 2017, but that other teams did worse things. And that came up again this week because the Dodgers were there and that stirred up some feelings. And because former catcher Eric Kratz said he thought he knew something about the Rockies, which we have no idea if it's true or not. And I, there's just like this Astros Twitter group that's like, oh, they they did it worse. We, nothing happened. It's like, guys, guys, come on. 
you did. You got you got in trouble for it. Like it's real. I don't even think it helped that much. Like it, morally <laughs> wrong. I don't think it won new World Series. That team was. I always go back to like before 2017. There are two articles. I wrote one. Uh, Jeff Sullivan, formerly of Fangraphs, wrote the other before that season, saying, "Hey, this team's going to strike out a lot less." Like it was so easily predictable. So I don't even think it helped that much. Not defending the trash can cheating, like it's real and it happened. But like I feel bad for the the quote unquote regular Astros fans who like have nothing to do with any of this and just want to watch their team play a ball game without getting yelled at. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like everybody else just. Let it come on. It happened. Let's not pretend it didn't happen here. This is a real thing that happened. Come on. That's, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's how I look at it. It's like, it happened. You know, I, I don't know how much it helped them. They were a great team anyway, but it happened. They deserve the ridicule. That's it. The fans, you know, you, you had the moment. You, you got to enjoy that moment. They're, like, you know, no one's going to take that away from you. Like, they won the World Series. I'm sure that was a magical, like, month of October watching your favorite team win the World Series. You know, th- th- this whole thing didn't come out till like two years later. So like, yeah, it stinks if you're a fan and it's now tarnished, but like you had the moment and it, that's to me like really, really what matters if you're a fan, right? Is you got to, you got to celebrate that moment. So um, you just got to, got to get to accept the, 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 um, the sort of shame that comes with it and, uh, and move on. It's still a competitive team. Again, it's still, it's, it's still a good team now with a lot of the, the same core, which kind of proves the point that it was like a good, te- a very good team, a very good team to begin with. And if I could just point out quickly, do you know who, which team has the lowest strikeout rate in baseball this year? Uh, Houston the Astros. Houston Astros. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's mostly Michael Brantley, I think, but. <laughs> um, my purpose pitch is about the, one of the, I guess, unintended consequences of instant replay that I absolutely cannot stand. And I really hope we can figure out a way to make it go away. And what I'm talking about is when the player slides over a base and leaves the base for like a half second and the, the, the uh, fielder, you know, smartly understanding the rules, keeps the tag on and they call them out on replay review. It's against the spirit of the rule. It penalizes players who are trying to be daring on the base paths, which is what we want. It's exciting. It just, it's just off. It also stops the game. It's awful. Like I was watching the Mets game the other night. Jonathan VR stole second, then he stole third, and he was called safe. And then they replayed it. And he like, it's not even like he went past the bag. Like he slid head first, and like for a half second, his like belly, his stomach like was like hovering over the base. And they like held the tag on, and they went and reviewed it, and they called him out. And like, yeah, I kind of get it by like the way the rules are applied now. You have to call him out, but it's just like that shouldn't be the case. It's like you're slowing down the game. You're taking away excitement. I mean, part of the fun, and this happens has happened in a lot of sports, like no worse than like in soccer where like the video replay for offsides has basically made it so you can never celebrate a goal your your team scored until like five minutes later, um, is like you want that excitement of being able to celebrate a play when it happened. And it just ruins what should be exciting plays, which is guys taking extra bases and forcing, you know, close plays and throws and snap tags. Um, it's It's awful. You know, later in the game, you mentioned, you know, DeGrom's game back. Um, DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom, who's been like the Mets' best hitter, like looped a, uh, a ball down the right field line and tried to stretch it in a double. I'm sure like the Mets' management was like, no, what are you doing? And he beat the tag. And of course, he did like a pop-up slide and he popped up for like half a second and they kept the tag on him and they like went and reviewed it. Like he was called safe and they went and reviewed it and they called, called him out. I think it's just, it's, it's, 
is you know it's a it's a bad viewing experience and i think it's it violates kind of the spirit of what we want from replay and what we want baseball players doing and i hope that you know as part of the next whatever collective bargaining agreement or rules for 2022 we figure out a way to maybe have some sort of like ruling that can sort of make it so that those plays are no longer reviewable or they won't be overturned unless it's like you know obvious the player went past the bag or tried to advance or, or something of that of something of that nature how do you fix it um, I think there's a few ways. I mean, the, the one I would like to see that I think won't happen is almost going to like a little league style where you almost even have like the bases that like the, the, um, I, cause I think it would also be good for player safety. If you had bases that, um, uh, popped off when you slid through them, like you have in like little league because players wouldn't hurt themselves sliding into bases. You wouldn't have players breaking their fingers, um, or twisting their ankles sliding into base anymore. And that like, if you do that and the base moves, you're safe unless you, unless you try and stand up. Um, that would at least be the, it would be safe and it would be like the clearest way to do it. You know, you could also do things where you, you, I mean, and this wouldn't, and admittedly this wouldn't apply to the ground play, but I think you could do something where it's like only, you only can be called out on review if you actually went past the base. Like, you know, if you, if you literally went past the base, you can get called that, which I think a pop-up slide popping off the base would count as going past the base. But I think a head first slide, if you did not go past the base, you should not be, or even a feet first slide. If you're like your front leg, you know, pops up for a second while you're going over the bag, almost like a like a safety zone, like a like an like infinite safety zone that goes straight up in the into the sky. Um, that if you stay hovered over the bag, you cannot be called out on on replay. I'm with you on the um, the general outline of this. I just haven't heard like a, I haven't heard a compelling change yet. You know, because I think all the stuff that we we talk about it just makes it more complicated, more convoluted on replay to actually know like well. He got tagged and he was off the base, but this is a point where it's okay for him to be off the base. You know what I mean? Like, I, I agree that this is a very annoying part of baseball and I would like to see it changed. I just, I don't know that I've heard a great way to do it yet. Does I mean, you could just say it's, it's not reviewable. Like you yeah, could just say, it's, it's, you, could so. just say you, can, you can't, you can't call for a review on a play on a, like a basically a bank, you know, a, a tag on a tag play. Um, yeah, like I don't you know. can only review, you can only review whether or not like his, the, the tag, beat him to first contact to the base, basically. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. I just feel like if you did that, you would end up with a lot of instances of like clearly wrong calls that, that you then couldn't overturn. Well, I'm, I've sort of, I mean, I've come around on replay in general. I'd almost be okay with it went, if it went away because no. I think, that, I think no. that like, I think that the fun, you know, like bad calls, two things, bad calls have been forever. Like, and the fun of the game is like that excitement, that moment. You want that moment of euphoria of like, oh, he's safe. This is exciting. This is great. And we lose that. The, the other thing the other thing I would say would be take it out of the manager's hands because I think this would actually yes. solve that. Too. That would solve that too because you would only be – you would basically have an ump in the booth or an ump in, you know, in, the, in, you know, in the, the, the video room basically saying, I will only insert myself. It was like obviously wrong and that it like would changes the spirit and like – because even like – here's the thing is like with those like – the tag plays like the VR play I described, even like the team doing the challenge kind of knows they're getting away with something, right? Like it's like, I'm doing this because I can, not because it's like a good way to play the game, but like it helps me win, which is why I'm going to do it, right? But I, I would prefer it if it was just like replay is going to be decided by a third party and we will only do it if it is obvious a horrible mistake was made that needs to be rectified. I'm 100% I'm okay. with that. I'm okay with like small, like bang bang plays that where you can't really tell if like you get if they get them wrong sometimes that's fine with me if like if like if it's debatable whether or not the call was right 
then like I'm fine just going with the I'm called. I think it's you need that excitement in the field. Like you see it in soccer. This is like never like or touchdown catches in football. Like every time someone makes a touchdown catch, it's like, wait, we have to make sure. Like, is it is it gonna stand? We can't celebrate until like we're sure it's gonna stand. And as a fan, as a viewer, that stinks. You know, these are uh, supposed to be brief rants and you have a lot of thoughts about this one. <laughs> Listen, here I'm with you on I've I've hated since day one that the managers get to call for this. Totally with you on that. You cannot you cannot remove replay entirely though, because then what'll happen is you'll see some like egregiously wrong calls. The one I always go back to is the one it's probably like eight years ago now where um, Todd Helton was like nine feet off the bag and Jerry Harrison got called out. I know you know which one I'm talking about. Like yes. that, that kind of stuff's insane. So you cannot have that knockout. Uh, but I'm with you. I don't like the managers doing it. I want to see some kind of good way to uh, remove the, you know, your one molecule of air off the base and therefore you're out. Nobody actually wants that. Like nobody, there's not a side that's saying, I do like that. <laughs> you know, it's like the one thing we're all in agreement on is just how do we do it? I, I don't know. Um, hopefully someone has a good idea for us that'll do it for this week's podcast don't miss an episode by subscribing on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions leave us a rating and a review thanks for listening to the ballpark dimensions podcast see you next week talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like i lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com slash MLB. GetRoman.com slash MLB.